This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. Today is Mother's Day, the day when we salute the women to whom we owe everything. So, happy Mother's Day, Miss Mary, and happy Mother's Day to my sister-in-law, Cheryl. Today's program features the moms, the grandmothers, and their efforts to do it all. We're going to start with a new mother, Kelly Rowland. She, along with Beyonce and Michelle Williams, comprised Destiny's Child. Kelly's book is Whoa, Baby. Kelly, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How about yourself? Doing just fine. Thanks for making the time. I'm on the line with you are a very busy and successful woman. You're an artist, you're an actress, you've done movies, television, and now you have added the title author to your resume with your book, Whoa, Baby. Man, you get really personal in this book. Well, you know what? I said that if I was going, first of all, I never thought to write a book at all. And um, I remember after I had my son, I kept looking for a book that basically talked about all this stuff, and I could not find one, and I was so frustrated. And so I talked to my doctor about it, and she said, you know, someone should write a book like that. I said, oh, we're going to be the ones to write a book like that. And uh, that's exactly what's happened, but I didn't feel the need to hold back. You know, I I felt like that I should be completely honest with these moms the way I would have wanted someone to be honest with me. Is it true that you had more questions after you gave birth to your son than you did during your entire pregnancy? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I mean, for me, I felt like what to expect when expecting answered every single question to my book. And and, and also J- Jenny McCarthy's Belly Labs is my favorite as well. So those were my two go-to books while I was pregnant. And um, I remember saying I wanted to write almost like an answer to, to what happened, of course, post-pregnancy after it was, uh, you know, thought of. And, and now we've done it. It's here. It's out. So now your son, Titan, he's uh, almost three, but I guess right now in those terrible twos, is he behaving that way? You know, he is very busy. That's what terrible twos means to me. They're very busy. They're very curious. Um, he's just, you know, testing his boundaries. But, yeah, he's in that two phase, and it's very real right now. <laughs> What has been the most surprising and rewarding thing for you as as, as a first-time mom that you just didn't totally expect was going to happen to you? Well, I thought moms just figured, I thought they just knew how to be a mom. Like, I, I swear to you, I just literally thought that there was something, that, a, a memo or note that everybody got, and it was like, here's how to do this, here's how to do this. But one of the things I love and admire about moms is that it's really something that you figure out along the way. You know, you don't have a guide or a, a how-to book. You're just figuring it out. And I admire that strength. I admire, you know, the the passion and, and, and love, of course, love anything it takes to, to raise a child. And it's been a really great journey. How supportive, Kelly, has your husband, Tim, been through this entire, this thing with you guys as parents and the transition and being a new mom and raising a family? Uh, It sounds like he's really been there for you. No, he is really incredible. Um, We always tell each other um, that we hit the jackpot (laughs) talking about one another, but he's, he's been so helpful and he is my best friend. But still, there are just some things that you really only want to talk about with that sister circle of girlfriends you have, I bet. 
oh, I, um, because no one understands it like they do, of course. What is it that you are hoping readers will take away from your guide for new moms who feel overwhelmed and freaked out? I Actually, it's starting to happen. I'm so, so happy. Um, I've received uh, different notes and um, letters uh, so far on my page, um, pages from all new moms. I got a, a text this morning from a brand new mom, and she was just saying how she wished she read this book before she had the baby. I, I want them to feel like they they have the power now. I think that when you don't know what's going to happen or you have these little tidbits um, about what is going to happen, you know, you feel like you have the, the power and, and the knowledge for it and that you're not caught by uh, surprise or off guard. And I just want to put them in a position of power to where they feel like, okay, well, she said that this was going to happen. And Dr. Bickman said that in this section, you know what I mean? I want them to feel like they have that information already and that they're not caught off guard. I want them to feel comforted. I want them to be able to make light of all the crazy things that happened to us, and some of the things, of course, and um, to feel comforted, but to feel like they're talking to their girlfriend or that their girlfriend is talking to them. And one of the things that you write about with such great clarity, something that you did not expect, was the number of changes the body experiences when a woman has a baby. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do in that moment? You just have to figure it out. And I, I like to get as much information as I possibly can. So I remember calling the doctor. I remember looking different things up. I remember um, asking my friends who are specialists in their fields. Uh, one of my girlfriends, um, uh, Jules, Jules is a physical therapist. She's actually involved in the book. But I remember one of the craziest situations that happened to me was diastasis recti. And um, we were actually about to go out somewhere and I could not move when I lifted my foot to put on my dress. And I was just in my bathroom and in tears trying to put my dress on. And um, she heard me screaming from the bathroom and she came in and she's like, what's wrong? And I said, I literally cannot move. Come to find out, I thought it was just my back. It was because my core was so weak. Um, I guess from having the baby, you know, just I, I needed to strengthen it back up again, but I had no idea how much it would affect my back. Indeed. And you also probably had no idea how much your heart could love it until your son was born. Oh, my gosh. Just the moment I looked in his eyes. I thought that that was just so cliche and everybody just says that because it sounds good. But as soon as you see someone's eyes or nose or lips or mouth or cheek or the shape of their head and it looks like you, you can't. I'm, it's just it's the most it's the most beautiful thing. You are indeed very special. Congratulations on having such a wonderful life and such a great little boy. He'll be he'll be out of the two soon enough. The book is Whoa Baby, a guide for new moms who feel overwhelmed and freaked out. The author, Kelly Rowland. And Kelly, where can folks find you on Twitter in case they want to tweet you their thoughts about the book? At Kelly Rowland. And oh. I hope you enjoy the book. Thank you so much for the support. Now to a grandmother and trailblazer in media. The legendary Leslie Stahl of CBS and 60 Minutes. I'm sure you get tired of hearing this, but I have to say as a female journalist and African-American female journalist in Atlanta, it is indeed a privilege and an honor to spend a little time with you this morning. So thanks for the opportunity. I'm thrilled. Thank you. I was going to ask if you're related to Elvis. Oh, we always joke that I was the black sheep, but it usually got lots of laughs. <laughs> We are talking about the paperback edition now of your book, Becoming Grandma. I had no idea that L-O-L had a different meaning. 
I know. I loved when I found that out. Do you want to tell everybody what it stands for besides laugh out loud? Uh, well, I would never characterize you as a little old lady, but yes, LOL stands for a little old lady. And the plural of that I read is lollies, and that's what your granddaughters call you. They call me lolly. But we got that name. It was my idea to be called lolly long before I discovered what LOL stood for in the medical world. You know, little old lady is a medical term that doctors use to write their notes about who their patient is. <laughs> That's not nice. It up, right? No, it's not. So you, you wrote the book and talk about how much uh, your granddaughters truly changed your life and with everything that you've accomplished personally and professionally, what was the biggest change when both of these little girls each came into your life? Well, it's, it's the depth of loving. It's a different unexpected emotion that overtakes a grandmother and a little later in the process a grandfather. Grandmothers have this the minute they hold that baby for the first time. Um, It is a love that is so unfettered and so pure um, that you, you, you feel, your whole body feels wonderful. When you have a child from the minute that baby's born, you realize that you are responsible for a whole new person, something you've never been before, and a fear begins to infiltrate, and a worry takes over. And honestly, for a mother, that worry does not leave you till that child finishes college, and maybe even later than that. And uh, grandmothers don't have that. We are just free to experience the pureness of loving a new person and being able to only say yes to them. Well, the poor mother, I I feel sorry for my kids, are are having to say no all the time. Don't do this, don't do that. And we're there to say, sure, have have some more candy. Another scoop of ice cream, honey? You know, that's us. That's a grandmother. My mom always (laughs) says the only reason parents have children is for the grandchildren that come later and being able to say yes all the time. So as someone who was, as you have written before and we know, was in the class of 72 when there finally began to be diversity and inclusion in our newsrooms, you married, you had children, you've had grandchildren. How difficult was it for you to manage that success in both arenas? You know, when you're in the throat, do you have kids, Condice? I do not. I have a niece. She just turned nine, and I'm the the fun aunt who always says yes to whatever she Uh, wants. Okay, you're like a grandmother. (laughs) But... You know, when you're raising a kid and working, all you're doing is holding it together and dreaming about a night to sleep. That's it. That's what being a working mother is. Um, You're exhausted. You are not thinking, am I bringing my job home? Am I bringing my kid to the office? You are worrying and just holding it together. I don't remember being conscious and deliberate about, uh, you know, anything except holding it all in place and making sure that we didn't forget the doctor's appointment and that who was going to pick her up after school, all that was my life. So having it all, you would say, is possible, but it is a struggle. It is, for me, a wonderful struggle, but an exhausting one. For me, it was worth it. Uh, My own mother, rather than giving me the evil eye for working, encouraged my career. So I had 
very little guilt coming at me from my family. Uh, it was self-imposed guilt because I felt I wasn't there enough for my kid. But she says to me a lot, and even when she was growing up, she said, I'm so glad you work, Mom. And I knew what she meant. If I had put all that energy into her, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> poor kid. I needed to go to the office, and a lot of women are like me just need to do this. Uh, So I really don't have regrets, but I do think that I am making up for what I missed for myself and what I didn't give my own child in the way I'm grandmothering. And I think a lot of working mothers are doing that with their grandchildren. And it sounds like a tremendous amount of fun. Now, you've been with the network, CBS, our network, since 72. You've been on 60 Minutes since 91. You've covered many stories. You were a White House correspondent. What is your takeaway thus far in the first 100 days of this new administration and the whirlwind of news surrounding it? Oh, my God. Huge question. Gigantic question. There's a tendency to think that whatever situation you're in, that it's the worst it's ever been. You know, that is a mindset that we all have. It's it's a natural way to look at current times. But I did cover Watergate, and if I put my mind to it, it does feel somewhat similar in this investigation about the Russians, uh, in this drip, 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 thinking that the polarization in the country is the worst it's ever been. In, in early 72, people were at each other's throats. It was actually worse than it is now in terms of the pro-Nixon and the anti-Nixon people in the country. The Vietnam War was still, you know, going on. We had that to contend with. I'm not sure it's the worst it's ever been, but people are beginning to feel that it is. And uh, so my take, I guess, is uh, we're going to have to ride this out. If it is like Watergate, then it's going to drip, drip, drip for a long time. Meaning, by that I mean, and this is, is what happened during Watergate, is that the story kept dying So there would be a little bomblet, something that Woodward and Bernstein would put in the Washington Post, and then all the other news organizations, including ours, would follow it through, and there'd be questions and investigations, and then it would die down. And then another little bomblet would come along, and this dragged on for two and a half years. I'm getting the drip, drip feeling here. And, of course, time accelerates. It's all happening a little faster. But I I don't know that it's the worst time of all. I I don't think it is, actually. Well, we will look forward to your reporting on this and other stories every Sunday night on 60 Minutes. And what a great opportunity if we're thinking about gift for our moms and our grandmothers. Uh, Becoming Grandma by Leslie Stahl, now out in paperback. So, again, a privilege and an honor. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And we close with the woman who wrote the book about amazing women, the hidden figures, Margot Lee Shutterly. Oscar nominated and a box office smash, more than 200 million and counting. Margot, that's a nice surprise. I am absolutely thrilled. Um, you know, this this has been uh, completely a fairy tale. I mean, it's one thing to have your book published, your first book. This is my first book. Uh, then to have it turned into a movie with, you know, such excellent people behind it. And then to have the movie um, embraced, book and movie embraced by the public in this way. It's just been a Cinderella story. Absolutely. So let me know, did you get to go to the Academy Awards? I did. I did. Um, I, it was a very exciting moment. Um, and obviously, I, I couldn't have been more delighted to see Katherine Johnson on stage presenting with the three female leads from the movie. 
safety. Okay, I had tears in my eyes. I know my friends did as well. I know you had to as well. It, it was, yeah, it, it was just so emotional, so moving. Um, you know, there's, there's, movies are amazing, but there's nothing like seeing the real people behind the story. What does Ms. Johnson make of all of the hullabaloo around her story because she has said, as she said in your book, she was just doing her job. You know, she is a remarkable lady um, and she has taken this all in stride. I think she's having a good time though. I, you know, I think that uh, it's very exciting, not, not just for her and her story, but what it means for the other women that she worked with, that she has often said haven't gotten the credit they deserve. So I think it's, I think she feels like this is a great way to give credit to people who have not gotten credit before, and also to create a lot of enthusiasm for math and science, which is something that she's passionate about. Now, take our listeners back and let us know how you decided that you wanted to write this book, your first book, and how you knew that you wanted to tell the stories of not just the three women who were portrayed in the film, but all of the women in your book, Hidden Figures. Yeah, so the the real spark of it came when, you know, the first person who really asked the question, why haven't I heard this story, was my husband six years ago when he was listening to my father, uh, who was uh, a former NASA research scientist, talk about these women and their work. And so for that, that spark, you know, made me curious about some of the things that I had known growing up and never really, you know, thought about. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just... The more I knew about the story, the more curious I got. And I think at the end of the day, what I really wanted was to have this great adventure story that, you know, so many of us know, um, you know, the space program, you know, the 1960s, you know, all of these things, the Cold War. I wanted those women to have their moment as protagonists, you know, and, and to tell the story through their eyes and have them get that great adventure that, you know, the astronauts get. And even, you know, like Martin Luther King, you know, people who are attached to the great moments of that American century. And, um, and we get to see it through their eyes. That, it was the book that I wanted to read, and that, that was the book that I wrote. So how do you follow up on that kind of success? Well, uh, you know, I think Hidden Figures is always going to be special. It, it was sort of like a magical thing that, that just, uh, in a way, came out of nowhere and became this huge thing. Um, I think, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm really interested in writing more stories. There are a lot of stories out there. I'm working on uh, two more stories, my next couple of books, um, both of which in that are, are set in that same mid-century timetable um, that have African-American protagonists and deal with a lot of those issues of work and identity and social mobility and above all, the American dream, you know, trying to, and striving for that American dream. Are you at all surprised at how many millions of people of all cultures just simply welcomed this story, marveled at, hey, how come I didn't know this before, and then just love, love, love it? It, it has been, um, it's been, it's been remarkable, sometimes very overwhelming, um, but it totally makes sense. You know, this has got, it's got everything. It's got adventure. It's, it's emotional. These women were, you know, uh, they were interesting. They were passionate about their work. They were normal people as well. You know, I think that's one of the things that's so um, remarkable is that these women were doing this extraordinary work every day, and yet they were still part of their communities. You know, and I think that's one of the things that makes them so compelling to people, you know, and, and girls will come up to me in, in, uh, in book, you know, these uh, book signings that I do, and they'll tell me how inspired they are by these women. Like they feel like they know them, that they're their friends and counselors. And um, it, it's just been, it's been really humbling and it's been a total honor to have 
brought these stories forward. We're talking to Margot Lee Shutterly, the author of Hidden Figures. I wonder, Margot, what role, if any, did you have in the filmmaking process? Uh, well, they hired me as, as a consultant, a story consultant, and I got also an executive producer credit. Um, I was still writing the book as this movie was moving full steam ahead. Um, so that, that was kind of an unusual thing. But How does um, that they happen? really looked to me, uh, consulted uh, on the story, um, and, you know, because it, it was sort of happening at the same time. But to get the details right, to learn more about the women and the backdrop and um, so it, it was, it was a great process. You know, I learned a lot about, um, adapting a book to film and, you know, how you, you have to change things. You know, obviously it's like, you know, 30 years of history. Uh, you got to pick out the most compelling part and put that on the screen, um, which I thought they did a great job of. Um, but I was really happy how they translated the spirit of the women and the book and the times to the big screen. So you were not at all bothered by some of the scenes in the film that were included for dramatic effect. I mean, we love the part where, you know, Kevin Costner comes down the hall and he knocks down that sign. Well, we know that that didn't really happen, but it illustrated another much larger point that you made in the book. I, I really think so. You know, I mean, you know, you can you can get into subtle details in a book because you have people's full attention for a long period of time. In a movie, I think you have to make a point uh, in, a, in a much more efficient way. I think that's what that really does, um, that Kevin Costner scene and his character. Um, and you know what I really like about that also is that these women, like that's, that's what you want. You want the ally who says, listen, I'm going to take care of that so that you guys can do the job that you were hired to do. You know, we, these women were the right people at the right time, math, math, you know, mathematicians on the job working in the space race. And uh, what we really needed then and need now is people to say, listen, you know, we are going to remove those obstacles so that people who have talent are able to go as far as their talent takes them. Absolutely. And as a story consultant and EP on the film, did you get to spend any time here in our city of Atlanta? I sure did. I was down there, uh, you know, during during part of the production. And uh, wow, that was really exciting. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't believe I'd never really uh, seen a movie, you know, being produced. I mean, this is my first book and first movie. Um, and it was so exciting to see, first of all, to do the research, you know, and get the raw data and turn it into a book. And then to see how people were taking that and turning it into a film. It, it was absolutely fascinating. Your mom and daddy didn't raise a high achiever, did they, Margot? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I come from pretty high achievers. So, um, you know, if, if that's the case, then I, I definitely got it honestly. So now what is it that you want for folks who still haven't had a chance either to read your book, which they should, or see the movie? What do you want their takeaway to be? I really want them to uh, to see a great American story. You know, a lot of people know the story of the space race. They know the story of the civil rights movement. They may know, you know, a little bit about what women did to to, to push for equality in the workplace. Um, you know, this this touches on all of those things, and it is through the eyes of protagonists that we rarely hear from. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a black movie because they're black protagonists. The women's movie because they're women protagonists. It's a math movie because they're are mathematician protagonists. But what it all adds up to is an amazing American story. So I, I really hope that people see it in the context of, you know, kind of long American history and all the American history that they learned in, in their school books and, and see this as, you know, kind of uh, shining a light on some of the things that we didn't learn about, but is nonetheless amazing American history. Margot Lee Shutterly, the author of the book Hidden Figures. Congratulations. We're looking forward to the next thing that you do. And again, uh, thanks again for your time today. Condes, thank you so much. Hidden Figures is now available on demand. 
and on DVD. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Stay big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save